You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Ellie Verven, who is here all the way from Switzerland. She's going to be playing for the next two hours, and as usual, we're going to take a break in the middle of the show to interview her, pick her brain a bit, and see what she's all about. But for now, we're going to get straight into the mix with Ellie Verven, and again, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Thank you. 
you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kastnick, and we've been in the mix with Ellie Verven. And we're going to get back in the mix with her in a little bit after uh, pick her brain for a bit here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for the invitation. Yeah. My yeah. pleasure. Yeah, so you were in town, have been a big fan for a long time. So it's just a perfect opportunity to snag you for the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I guess since we're here for Red Bull, I noticed in the Red Bull write-up something I didn't even know, that you are actually an alumni of the Red Bull Music Academy. Yes, long, long time ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What year was that that you did I that? It was 2004. Wow. I was a participant, yes. Yeah, that was really early ago. on. I kind of remember they did one in New York around 2001 or something, and that was the first I'd heard of it. Um, what city was... Rome. In Rome. Um, and how did that... Where were you at in your career when you did that and how did it, uh, I guess, did it push you forward or how did it push you forward to participate? Not really. I think like by then, like, let me think. I'm not sure. I think it was in a time when I worked uh, in a record store and... Um, yeah, I had my my I had a radio show as well. Uh, I was just uh, with a good friend. We were presenting just the music that we liked. It was kind of an overnight show, so we stayed like the whole night there. It was once a month. Right. Yeah, and um, we stayed there until seven in the morning. It was the best time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. I mean, I've in my early days, I did some of those uh, really wacky hour college radio shows as well. I think that's how a lot of people start out and pay their dues, right? Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> Some station will give you the it was, two, 2 to 7 a.m. on Tuesday nights. Exactly. No, it was like a, um, a alternative radio in Zurich. Okay. So were you born and raised in Zurich? No, I was born in, uh, actually in Thun, but I I grew up in uh, in the canton of Bern. Uh, in a village there called Bol, nobody knows. Um, but I I li lived for a long, long time in Zurich like, uh, since I I think it was '98 when I came to Zurich. Okay, uh, mm. yeah. So you mentioned uh, working in the record store and on the radio. That was all in Zurich then. Yeah, exactly. And what was what was the record store, and when when were you working there? Um, that's a good question. I was like, uh, it started that I helped out. So I was like kind of uh, on a weekly base, like one one day, um, uh, like Wednesdays or something or Saturdays. I, I worked there and it was like my absolutely favorite record store with a big um, back, um, back stock. And um, yeah, like a really lovely um, selection of music. Like kind of my taste, so that's why. Right. Is the record store still around? or No, no? unfortunately not. <laughs> no. Uh, what happened to the record store? I think the like... The same old story? Yeah, same old story. People stopped to buy records, I guess, yeah. And it was not that they really... They were not really, really forced to, so it was not like... But they felt that it was kind of, you know, it was not worth uh, the, the, all the work anymore. Right. Uh, are there still, I know you're still like a huge vinyl head, so are there still record stores of any sort in Zurich or have they kind of 
Yeah, actually now like young guys they just open like uh, they they opened a, a new record store in Zurich, wow. which is exciting. Yes, just very recently. Yeah, like let's say maybe it's like uh, I don't know one year or something. Okay, not longer. So it's been a long time since you've actually worked in a record store. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so aside from the, I'm I'm kind of curious about what the scene was like, especially when you were first coming up in Zurich, because I I don't I don't personally know a lot about the scene there. So aside from the fact that you worked in a record store and did the radio, how did you get started uh, performing outside, like in bars or clubs or? I guess any residencies you've had over the years. How did that all kind of develop? I think like um, actually everything started when I came to Zurich. I came because I went to art school there, and um, I uh, discovered kind of the underground scene, and I was just blown away. Uh, like wow, what's that? And I think that there was also the point where when I started to be really nerdy, I always loved music, and I. I uh, went out to to dance, and in the nineties, there was a lot of jungle parties, and um, and uh, but I think it was never like uh, the same feeling when I came to Zurich. Like I was just blown away, especially from that kind of reduced uh, structure of music, like kind of minimalism, uh, which right. was like had a huge impact on on myself. So wow, what's that? And it was kind of I want to know everything, and I started to. So everything went really quickly. I started to to buy records. I started to to do the radio. Right. I started to be really active. So before then, was it more of a drum and bass kind of thing that you were interested in, or just no? Like generally, I just loved music. I loved to dance. Like I, my grandfather gave me like a radio when I was four, and I was just I just. Me and my radio. I was sitting all the time before my radio and listening to music, and later on, like recording my tapes. But that was like different music. It was a, a bit of everything. Right. So you started getting really nerdy about it and going to the record store, working in the record store. Later on, doing yes. a radio show. Mm -hmm. uh, when? Uh, what were some of your early? gigs were those I assume those were in Zurich yes uh, it was a very um, vivid scene and um, I started actually like in squatted houses kind of squatted places and right. and uh, it was more like this kind of dirty places when I and I started to play like they put me on like at seven in the morning like before that maybe in bars but then uh, uh, my very first gig on a on a like a proper sound system um yeah that was in kind of like uh yeah in the morning hours right. uh, yeah and i really loved that i think like in zurich the the parties they were like endless but uh, back in that time it was a bit berlinish you know? right and you had where were your i know you were a resident dj somewhere where yes, where was that Dach, where? Dach Cantina. okay and that those parties would go very late as well, yes. But that was kind of later on. I think, I'm not sure exactly when Dach Cantina st uh, started and when they stopped. It was like a temporary project. So they had to um, close up anyway, um, close down um, because uh, they built the art school in that building. 
Uh -huh. um, and it was it was so funny because you had to 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 take uh, uh, the lift to the seventh floor, and there it was like basically a canteen of the the of the people who worked there back in the days. Right. So um, um, and that was uh, yeah. The endless parties and and it was a very special vibe and a lot of decoration and stuff and and all electronic music so it was fun because it could be also they had like um, Goa trance parties and drum and bass parties and right. uh, techno and house and whatsoever everything so, that was cool yeah it sounds like there was more of a kind of outlaw vibe then when you were coming up does that is that something that still exists in zurich in switzerland it's or is that kind very of very alternative scene i think so yeah there is still uh you can find it maybe i i don't know if so much as back in the days but maybe but there are like young people who are into this kind of a bit uh, um you know they they bring back this kind of rough Dirty. Yeah, I really love that. You know, that's kind of um, warehouse-ish. Yeah. Whatsoever. So vibe. I guess at what point were you, do you feel like your sound was introduced to maybe the world outside of Switzerland? Like when did you start playing in other cities and how did that come about? Like how did you become known outside of Switzerland? I think like uh, the Minimal Sausage uh, podcast had for sure, or that blog had a, an impact on on uh, on that. That people they just heard my name, and right. it was just out there. Um, and then I had like friends. I, I made friends, and um, they invited me to their parties in in, in Germany, like Vera. Uh, for example, was someone she invited me to Robert Johnson and uh, back then, and uh, Julieta in Munich. So um, yeah, I think it was I don't know. It just happened. I don't know. It was kind yeah, of yeah. It seems like it organically. all happened. <laughs> yeah, I was asking about it because it seems like it happened very organically from you, and it's something that maybe a lot of people are kind of striving towards or trying to make happen for themselves. But it seems like I mean, not that you weren't trying, but this just kind of happened to you. I you don't got, know how you got, it happened. Yeah, because the we, we talked about this a bit before the show. What a the year first year you did the first Minimal Sausages podcast was two thousand eight. And just to like the big nerds in the scene, that was just a really I don't know that we have anything like that now, even though ironically because we have so many podcasts. Yeah. Um but there's not one that feels like it's carries quite the influence and may, or at least I mean I just don't think podcasts in general are making uh, an impact the way that they could back then and then going back even further there were mix CDs that were huge because yes. you would you would buy the mix CD and just yes listen to it over and over whereas now everything feels more disposable somehow so you did you did that mix in 2008 I know then at some point you did a resident advisor podcast which is also like carries a lot of weight and then you were just, you were off. <laughs> <laughs> you've been playing, the, you know, you've been playing ever since and playing all over the place. It's it's uh, really great. And I guess that brings me to the next subject, which is your, at, I guess around that point in 2012, you launched your record label. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and like how, how that project got started? 
Um, yes, so uh, it's Tardis Records, and I do that with my best friend together. Uh, his artist name is Oscar Schubach. And uh, we had the idea because we know each other for a long time and we kind of have like the same musical taste, goes from ambient to house to techno. And um, we thought like it would be nice to have a, a label where like we release people and artists that had an impact on us back right. in the day. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that record that we played from them, we, we kind of find out that it's not that easy, that kind of concept. <laughs> 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 and we are kind of slow with everything. And but we prefer, you know, like, and also we both have uh, um, backgrounds in design. So that means he's also the graphic designer. So um, it's very important to us that the whole product is uh, kind of a, like the whole thing is nice to look at and to listen. Of course, the music is very important, but also like the visual aspect and, 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 and even like we were thinking about how is it uh, to hold the record, like about the structure of the... Like the actual weight of the vinyl <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and the paper you use. I mean, yeah, they definitely, they all have a, a look and feel to them you can tell right away that it's part of the label um you you hinted at this a little bit but it's um i think this is a good thing but you've gone at i guess compared to a lot of other labels it's, it's been a very like kind of a slow pace it looks like you do more or less one vinyl record per year yes <laughs> is there is there like a particular like philosophical reason for this or is that just that's think, just the pace you go yeah, at. It's, it's like coincidence. No, we we always try. We are trying to have like three or four records, and we all say like, oh, let's do that this year. We are doing like at least three records. We release three or four, and then at the end, uh, yeah, we end up with one. But I think, as we say, um, quality over quantity. Yeah, of course. And does that mean that you sometimes have to tell somebody? Oh, I really I'm very excited to put your record out and then six to twelve months later you have to say actually Yes indeed. No, it's it's like we also said that uh, um we decided we don't wanna release something that uh, we are not a hundred percent love you know both of us right we need to to really feel it every th every track and everything so um yeah. So uh, uh, that's why it's sometimes also, yeah. I like, mean, we need to be happy because we put basically all our money in in that. So yeah, it's like an expensive say, hobby. It's so expensive <laughs> and difficult to uh, put out vinyl records, and it actually something that I think maybe a lot of people don't realize is that it takes so long from the time that somebody gives you a demo that you love and you decide you want to put it out until other people actually have that record. That something I've learned putting out records over the years that yeah, if you don't absolutely love it, you 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 don't want to be putting something out that you're like, oh, I just I was really into this a year ago, but I'm just exactly. not that excited now. But uh, um, I think like so far it was uh, okay. But but you know like the 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 tricky situation with us is it's not like people sending us uh, uh, demos like. We right. actually ask the people, and that's right. even harder than to say, like, mm, you know, <laughs> I'm so tough. sorry. Yeah. Uh, like, because you you want something from this person. So we found out that concept is kind of 
very tricky. Yeah, it is tricky. It's one of the reasons that I don't do on our label. We don't do a lot of remixes because I found that can be very tricky. You ask somebody to remix something and then they do it. And then what if you don't like it or the timing's not right and you've asked them to do this thing. So, yeah, yeah. I sympathize with that. Exactly. So we decided always to say what we think. And, and uh, yeah, we actually also never had a remix so far. It was always just... Uh, uh, an artist with three normally we go with three tracks yeah three, yes. yeah I feel that's a good number for an EP um, I don't know if we really have anything else we should talk about before we get back into the mix we've got about 45 minutes left here are there any uh, like upcoming releases or gigs or anything that you're particularly excited about that you want to shout out before we get back yes, in the mix here I'm playing uh, is it tomorrow Friday I believe yes. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing here in New York, so if you're around, then uh, come and uh, come to the dance floor and dance uh, with me and have some fun. Right. So it was kind of a brief U.S. tour. You did, uh, you did LA, and you're doing New York. Is that is that all this time around? Yes. Uh, uh, any plans to wait. come back and visit us in the states? Um. So far, no plans. Okay. But uh, yeah, I'm really, it was great so far and I'm really excited. Uh, yeah. So I don't even know the location. It Damn. is, <laughs> uh, it's, I think it's 299 Vandevoort. Yeah. Yeah. I forget that, that it's, uh, that place used to be called Studio 299. I feel like it's maybe called Polygon or something else now. But that is the correct address. It's at 299 okay. uh, Vandervoort. Then come and listen to me and the whole Galen crew. And yeah. Let's have some fun. Sounds good. Um, any other uh, upcoming releases or anything? Um, yes. And uh, <laughs> actually, the next one is from my label part, uh, partner. And uh, he, yeah, we are waiting for the third track. And uh, okay. yeah, so let's see when it will be. But and hopefully soon. Yeah, and I know, I, I don't want to beat this subject to death, but we were uh, talking before the show about how your label is vinyl only, and I don't think I even got to ask you, is there, again, is this, uh, like, is there some philosophical reason for that, or is that just kind of I think, makes things easier? Um, no, I, I think the, the idea was that we appreciate it so much that still people put out records and that we can buy records and play records yeah. that we just want to give something back. Yeah, makes sense. I think that that was the, the reason. Right. Cool. Yeah, there are still vinyl-only <laughs> labels out there, people. Um, so with that, should we get back into the mix here? Yes. Let's do that. Okay, so like I said, we've got about 45 minutes left here, and we're going to get back into the mix with Ellie Verven. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. You're listening to Red Bull Radio. Thank you. 
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Ellie Verven. Uh, really nice to have her here. And we're out in three minutes. We'll be back on March 7th in two weeks with Tatantan of the Midwest Fresh Party in Columbus, Ohio. So tune in for that. And thanks a lot for listening. This has been The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. <laughs>